two, one. All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. <laughs> All right, we got a fantastic guest, Shay. Shay Angelo Acevedo. How's it going, man? It's going well. It's great to be here with you, too. All Glad right. You. What an amazing Saturday. <laughs> man, that's fantastic. Shay, uh, you were our Chester Himes and uh, Foreman in Paris. It was a fantastic right. production. It just pains me that it, we only did four shows, but yeah. uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. But not only are you an actor, but you are a songwriter. You're a singer. Um, are you a producer as well? I'm working on that. Yeah, right Right on. now I'm producing myself. Yeah, no, hey. And that, I'm working with a band, and they're, they're letting the reins out little by little each week. Yeah, we heard a little them. bit of your band. As a matter of fact, let's, let's hear a little bit of your band yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the band? The, the name of the band is Adjusted Attitudes. Adjusted Attitudes, and we were listening to a little bit of it, and uh, there's a little bit of blues, soul, R&B. Some rock and roll as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly, so we want to, uh, yeah, go ahead and put it up to the, uh, to the mic here. Sure. Coming on, yeah, Stormy Monday intro. This is actually our warm-up song. Right on. Adjusted, what's, what's the name of the man again? Adjusted Attitude. Adjusted Attitude, yeah. So um, anybody's looking for a band, you know, you need... Um, We're in the South Bay, yeah, mostly out of yeah, San exactly. Jose. So if you're looking for a band to book for, you know, weddings or, you know, whatever it is, or just you want to, you know, chill out or whatever, a lot of companies could use a band. Thank you. Adjusted Attitude, check it out. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we, and it's been a long time, because... It's uh, been, uh, yeah, <laughs> Lord, and it's going to be this way. But I brought my date book up, and then I realized <coughs> we have to run as soon as we finish, so we're... we're we're gonna have to figure out our schedule, but yeah, exactly. So, how is your um, how's your week, and how's your last couple uh, it, of weeks? It's been crazy. So, uh, my kids at East Bay Center up in Richmond perform. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did talk about that last time we were on. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my kids in Nueva down on Hillsboro on the peninsula mm-hmm. um, just did their performance a week ago Friday. Yeah. Um, which means my spring is done, and yet it's not because mm-hmm. things just keep happening. Yeah. So last night I directed a piece. Um, mm-hmm. They called it a curtain, a curtain warmer. Yeah. Um, just a quick little ten-minute piece um, as part of Best of Playground. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was it. Was a cute little Rapunzel piece. It was uh, they put out a contest for teens, and so these young writers turn in their pieces. And they picked one each night. They do one before mm-hmm. they do the regular best of playground. 
Um, got to work. Yo, got to work with Adrian Dean. There you go. Yeah. One of our guests. Not just got to work with her, but yeah. then I'm talking to Annie about it. And I said, and when I saw that you gave me Adrian Dean, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. She said, well, it's the first time we're working with her. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's great. And she's like, she had just been telling me that she hasn't finished casting for the play next week. Mm-hmm. So she's trying to get that together. She said, well, why don't I get Adrian? And Adrian had just told me after rehearsal that uh, that she didn't have anything else after this. That's amazing because she, just, she, just, yes. finished, yeah. she yeah. just finished doing Helen at Theater Union. Right. Right. And um, for those who don't know, she was episode 82 of The Yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just fantastic. And she's always busy. She did. She th- has been since yeah. then. But yeah. she said now it's quiet. Yeah. And it's quiet for a little while. And I was like, oh, okay, well. Mm-hmm. Right but, on. Uh, but, yeah, no, that was amazing. Um, I'm So I'm directed that, and I will direct a full length next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see my mom, because I didn't get to do that for Mother's Day. Okay. Uh, it's so funny. I need my mother-in-law now. Like, Mother's Day is like, okay, I can actually touch a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. And Mother's Day was a trip, because I'm like, we had all, you know, because of all the rains, all our roses we're just going crazy. Mm-hmm. So I just went out in the backyard, cut out down a bunch of roses, put it in a little mm-hmm. you know, little thing. I bring it to brunch. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down the street, and everywhere I turn, there's guys mm-hmm. with roses. Yeah. With flowers, big bouquets, mm-hmm. little bouquets. Yep. Young guys, old guys, families. Mm-hmm. Me and this Chinese family kind of intersected at one point, and he mm-hmm. just grinned at me, and I grinned back at him. Mm-hmm. It's that special day. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Well, every day should be oh, Mother's you, Day. Were you back? Yeah. I was I was in Washington D.C. Uh, visiting my family, the uh, the good old D.M.V. Mm-hmm. What they're calling it now, uh, D.C. And D.C. is just wonderful. Why put, the D.M.V. Uh, DC, DC, Maryland, Maryland, Maryland and Virginia. Virginia. Takes oh, too long. that's no. the best way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like but, uh, just saying DC, Maryland, and Virginia, right? Right, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, not with fun, and uh, I always worry that DC is is well, it is being gentrified, mm-hmm. facing gentrification. But there's still that whole that chocolate city feel. You still get, you know, you still listen to WHUR, mm-hmm. FM, Donnie Wilson. Um, wow, he's back yeah, and um, I went to uh, Ben's Chili Bowl, you know, and as a matter of fact, they've expanded. And mm-hmm. Ben's Chili Bowl is one of these very famous older uh, establishments in D.C. Mm-hmm. where they've been around since the late 50s, I think. And, um, since the one, segregation. Right? Yeah, that's right, since segregation. And um, the the it was... A guy named Ben, you know, uh, created Ben's Chili Bone and his wife. His wife is still alive and is still working there. And I got a picture taken with her. Nice. Wow. I was like, That's very good. I was like, wow. You know, Virginia is still alive. Okay. And she's Post like, yeah, and she's still page. working. Yeah. Post yeah. That on the page, please. <laughs> and Barack Obama's been there. You know, it's one of these of things course. where, you know, if you're a famous person, you go to D.C. Mm-hmm. It's the place to stop. So mom is doing fantastic and uh, she's doing good. And we had pictures taken with, you know, with us and. And, you know, Dad and I and my brother chilled, and, you know, mm-hmm. we got to work on some music. And uh, cool. that's one of the, our bonding things. So it was wonderful. It's always wonderful to. And um, we're going to get to hear some of that, too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure. Why not? Yeah. 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 Your dad singing. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. The late David Bowie used to say, every now and then in the age of digital media, um, someone, he imagined someone touching a piece of wood just to feel what it is, feel something authentic oh, uh-huh. and something real, something natural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel that way when I come back home. It's like if I ever forget who I am because mm-hmm. just how crazy life is, it's always good to come back home. Especially it's in very grounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, Shay, you went back to Puerto Rico. Are you a native of Puerto Rico? I'm We're not. Okay. I'm not. I've just claimed it as my second uh, home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something special about that island yeah. that I've found. 
supposed to be beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to see this year what the island looked like oh, after right. the hurricane. Yes. Right. And I was pleased to see that uh, people are getting back to work and mm-hmm. the roads are being repaired. The palm trees are growing back. Mm. You know, there are still some things that aren't completely functional, mm-hmm. but the people have an energy about them and a unity about them that is really amazing to see. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as you said, the island is so beautiful. Yeah. And I had a spiritual experience on that island mm-hmm. that I have to tell you about. Yeah. yeah. Is that there's two islands, main larger islands off of the island of Puerto Rico. Right. One is called uh, Vieques, which mm-hmm. I've often gone, and the other is Culebra, which is smaller, and I hadn't ever gone. Okay. So to get there, you have to take a ferry. Mm. You have to wait. It's like the first ferry is 4.30 in the morning. So I parked in the parking lot, got on, and I camped this trip. So oh, I had all my okay. camping gear. My intention was to go there and camp on the beach, which I did all over the island I camped. So I'm, I get on the ferry, and it's nighttime, and uh, it's because it's, it's so early in the morning. Right. It's about 4.15, 4.30. I see shooting stars. Mm. I'm listening to my headphones, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of meditating. And I feel, now this is just me, I feel the ancestors in the deep once mm-hmm. we get out mm-hmm. to the ocean. I feel them. Mm. And I just start dancing. I'm dancing on the deck. And I see a few shooting stars. And I'm just dancing. I dance so I work up a sweat. Right. And, you know, it's full of prayers and just happiness and tears and all this other stuff. And then I finish. And then we, you know, I disembark from the from the boat. By this time, the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. And I... You know, it's it's those kind of experiences on Puerto Rico that I get to have crossing that part of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Right. That right. means something yeah. to us. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's fantastic. I always tell people, I wonder about our soul. You know, like I always mm-hmm. want to ask someone, how's your soul doing? Uh-huh. And, you know, people don't know if I'm talking about soul, like music or if I'm being ultra Christian or something right. like that. I mean, I do have a faith podcast and we mm-hmm. talked all about. Um, Daniel 3, which uh, mm. were the three boys who were in the, the fiery furnace, and we were comparing that. Dr. King preached about this, mm-hmm. about the civil rights movement and the art of disobedience. Mm. Right. But I do wonder about the soul. Do we pay attention mm-hmm. to our soul, what we take in? We always think about what we take in, uh, like food-wise, like you're supposed to eat healthily. But I do wonder what we take in healthily, like uh, just music and television our and just in the environment yeah. and how maybe our soul, our spiritual selves are damaged. Sometimes we need to just check in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had a, a spiritual connection. That was one of many. Yeah. I, the very first time I ever visited Puerto Rico, and I don't read Spanish very well. I'm still learning Spanish. Mm. But I got off the airplane. I got my rental car. And the first billboard I saw was um, mm-hmm. uh, Necesito. Uh, what is it? We need to talk. Necesito hablar. Necesite mas hablar. Dios. It's like, we need to talk God. Right. I will tell you that I went around several days later trying to find that billboard and never saw it. But wow. I got the message. Right. Wow, amazing. That could have been in my mind, but that <laughs> happened. And so ever since then, I was like, okay, this <coughs> island's trying to tell me something. And I wow. do have those kind of experiences when I'm there where I do get that grounding yeah. with mm-hmm. my maker and whatever else is out there that mm-hmm. helps empower us. And then I come back to the bay, I come back to this area, and it comes out mm-hmm. in my art. Right on. You that's know? what it's all about. That's what it's about. Yeah. Um, there have been tons of current events, uh, a lot of it not oh. good at all. Yeah. Um, of course, Alabama has uh, uh, passed one of the most oppressive abortion laws, right. the heartbeat law. And, you know, when it first came out, I was like, well, okay, the first heartbeat maybe. 
But it quickly came to be that uh, this law basically says even if you have been raped, right. even if incest. it's uh, as false as incest, yeah. you are not aborting your child. And right. for any doctor who aborts a child, it's 99 years. years. Yeah. And then what about the miscarriage part of it? Oh, uh, right, yeah. You can be accused of, of if you abortion miscarry, if you, you miscarry. Yeah, 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 you can be accused of murder. Yeah. It's just horrible. I mean, I... You know, we've talked earlier in other episodes where I think David Valere had talked. Remember, he was the director for uh, Generation Theater, mm-hmm. and they did uh, a version of uh, – and matter of fact, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Joyce Huh, who was mm-hmm. in the production of um, Twelfth Night. But mm-hmm. it, David Valere talked about how organizations will test this conservative Supreme Court right. to see what will oh, pass yeah. and what won't pass. Right. Yes. And I think we're seeing that right now. Oh. Clearly. This is horrible. I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts on it? Do you have any hope of the – even though the conservancy of the of the court, because just – what was it last week, Kavanaugh? Yeah. You know, with the precedent. Split, it's, yeah. it's almost like it's almost like as more, more conservative the um, panel is, they yeah. almost have to come back to the middle. Right. Well, you'd hope so. But right. I mean, you, you'd but, hope so. Yeah, but if you're a Supreme Court nominee, if, if you're in the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. basically you're locked down. Right. And it's up to – Kagan and Sotomayor, and I pray every day for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to stay healthy. Right. And you'd hope that they would sway Roberts. And uh, I think, Mm -hmm. what is it, Alito? I forget who, Alito or Breyer, if one of them are sort of in the middle, to sway them. Right. To. uh, Yeah, I don't. What's clear to me is this is stuff that should have been, and it's the same thing as as civil rights. Yeah. You get this milestone. Mm hmm. And then you don't do the work that the milestone requires. Right. Because it's not like you can just decree, we changed everything, mm-hmm. and then it's over. Yeah. You know, it, it needs more work, and we didn't do that work. So now it's coming back around, and it's like, okay. So everybody has dodged up defining abortion. Yeah. And when life begins. Right. And now I can't imagine, well, I know what the right wing, how they'll define sure. it. I can't imagine that there will be consensus on what that means, and therefore they're going to have to decide it based on something else. That's what's scary. What yeah. will they choose to base it on? I, I think it's all politically motivated. I, I was thinking about it last night. Well, first of all, we've just passed. You speak of setting a precedent and not right. doing the work behind it. We right. just had Brown versus Board of Education, mm-hmm. the the anniversary of it yeah, right. this right. week. Right. Yeah. And we're still working on. Mm-hmm. The schools are more de- segregated more segregated than they than were they then. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, it takes us decades. There are African Americans who want segregation. I remember uh, in D.C. Yeah. about oh. twenty years ago, they talked about let's just have an all-black school, right? Just just for us, and the whole talk of ebonics being a language, oh, and yeah. and it's like, that. yeah, and, and it was like, wait a minute, are we going backwards? Are we now embracing segregation, being separate right. from? That's not what King wanted. Right. You know, that's one of the reasons why I wrote Foreman in Paris, because it talked about immediately after Brown v. Board of Education, that was when the activists came together and said, hey, now we've got a foundation where we can, you know, start fighting for our rights. Right. And now we have Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court to back us up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that sprung, you know, King and Abernathy and SNCC and SNCC Mm -hmm. and CORE and all of those guys. Right. Well, now we're learning there are conservative activists just as active as well. We mm-hmm. just, in California, got a new judge Yeah, mm-hmm. um, who is, they kept hitting her on Brown v. Board, and mm-hmm. she just dodged it. Apparently, she has said things about that wasn't decided correctly, hmm. and hmm. now she's avoiding that language. She's mm-hmm. suddenly got amnesia about what she's already written and said, 
Um, but uh, and yeah, they just they pushed her through. So the California, which you know Ninth Circuit, mm-hmm. now has a, a conservative, yeah, on it, wow. and and if it raises the level of discourse, if they are if they keep their integrity, mm-hmm. then you can argue different points of view. Yeah, but at some point you all have to come to some agreement and. We'll see. We'll see. But needless to say, I believe this is happening because it's completely politically motivated sure. to shift the direction that they're afraid that the, the Dems are going right. in 2020. Yeah. This I has nothing to do the, with their I think their they're court. afraid of where the country's going. Well, yeah, this is the least brown religious. And they're like, oh, no, y'all are getting way too brown up mm-hmm. in here. And, they're, and, and, and part of their base is breaking off because they're not religious. Right. So this yeah. is a way to try to drive that wedge in. Right, right. And I think they're emboldened by Trump. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And another thing, uh, and this gets into a little bit of theater or the arts, but Alyssa Milano, who is a um, you know famous actress, yes. did, I think, Growing Pains. And I right. remember her in yeah. the, um, what was it? The, um, it was Commando uh, with Arnold oh. Schwarzenegger, the uh-huh. 80s flick, and she was a young teenager. But now she is using her platform as a uh, as an actress to talk about her experience being raped right and dealing with you know um motherhood and all that sort of stuff as an activist and i think it's wonderful as artists you know she's using that platform so i think that's fantastic well and again Mm -hmm. they we keep as these issues keep coming up and celebrities open their mouths Mm -hmm. there's always that pushback now initially the pushback made sense to me but since we hear every other idiot in the world express their opinion, I don't see why these people can't. And they are public figures. I mean, I, I believe in voting with your dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, I do not see his movies. I don't see his stuff. I won't see his stuff. Yeah, because Marky Mark was going around with a baseball bat, beating up uh, Vietnamese. Rep- uh, That's exactly immigrants. right. I'm like, no. And even time a reporter tries about it, he he walks away from it. Yeah, yeah, and he got a slap on the hand, and and that was it. And mm-hmm. he's sort of apologized for it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, dude, I I can't watch you. I can't just sit and enjoy you. Oh, he got through again. Gosh, that plucky white guy. Yay him. Yeah. I'm like, no, I I can't give you my money. I tell you, I went to Boston because he's part of that whole Boston. <laughs> you know, there's right. there are all sorts of flavors of racism. You right. know, there's southern mm. racism. Mm. Listen, you're a nigga. You know, you're always going to be a nigga, and boom, that's it. Right. And then you go up to the north where the New England country places right. are, and it's like, you know, it's it's almost it, it's never impl- it's never explicit, not right. in your face, but it's. You're not part of, a part of us. It's the white supremacy thing. It's the, Have you ever felt we're that, We're just Angelo? trying to be pure. Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just going to stay in current events. Um, yeah, yeah. I study with a uh, Zen master. Okay. He calls himself a feral monk. Mm-hmm. He's an older white guy, Italian, in, in his uh, mm. mid-60s. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he actually studied in, at seminary in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, this week, we meet every couple of weeks, a group of us. And this week, from our first meeting, he wanted to kind of placate me because I'm the only black man in the group. Sure. Mm. You know, um, so he brought up Black Lives Matter. He brought up a lot of other things to try to basically – you know, without saying, you know, I have friends that are black. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this week I got him because he started telling us a story about, uh, I think white people do this thing where they want to show how much they've gotten beyond racism. So sure. they tell the story of their family. Right. So he was telling the story of his family and he was using uh, 
implicitly niggers and spicks. Mm. Uh-huh. And there was a, a Latino member of the group, and there's myself. Right. One, the second nigger and the second spick. Yeah. I told him, you know, I'm shut down, and I, I don't understand how you're teaching us. What do you want me to get from this? I basically confronted him with it. Mm. Right. And his first reaction was to raise his boi- voice to me. I said, no, you will not raise your voice to me. Mm. Uh-huh. You will cease using that kind of language, even if you're speaking of your family of immigrants and how your dad spoke around the dinner table. <coughs> right, right. You don't. You can use other language to describe what happened at the dinner table. Right, exactly. Yeah. It took him a minute because he's a Buddhist monk. It took him a minute to yeah. come back off of that, and he yeah. ended up apologizing. But then he left it with this. I got to see that you were hurt by this for the first time. I said, no, I wasn't hurt. Mm. I was offended that you had – no wherewithal but to describe a scene at your dinner table that you grew up with mm-hmm. in that language mm-hmm. in the presence of. Right. It's just offensive and it's rude. Right. Yeah. I would expect better of you. So it's that, you know, right. they yeah. go low, we go higher. Yeah, Thank that's you. right. That's right. So that's, that's my that's experience of, of – and I live <coughs> in a predominantly white town. I'm, you know, I'm probably the only black guy for miles. Yeah. Sometimes go, mm-hmm. well, actually Hollister is becoming more brown and black. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing a lot more of us mm-hmm. down there. Right. And it's a good feel. He doesn't live in that town. He's from Monterey. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, that's that's the thing that I, I experience every now and again. Yeah. But cool I confront it. I don't cool let it go by. Right. That's yeah. No, that's a cool way of putting it. I'm because that whole teaching dynamic. Yeah. If you don't maintain a certain level of humility in that, mm-hmm. then you then you do these offensive things, right. justifying it because yeah. you claim that you're above it. I immediately thought of Jordan Peele. I mean, really, mm. Get Out was really all about not just the oh. horror, but about the dynamic between oh, did you blacks see and us? whites. Mm-hmm. I did see us. I did. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You did? Mm-hmm. I did. Oh, good. You know, and the thing here, so you, yeah. know, you always have to worry about spoiler alerts, but it's like, Y'all don't see this stuff. When Fruitvale Station came out, I saw Fruitvale Station four times Mm -hmm. because I kept saying to anybody I could, I will go with you. Mm -hmm. Shoot, I will buy you a ticket. Please go see this movie. Same thing with uh, that whole group of movies that came out last year and even Get Out. Yeah. Um, You ask people, oh, yeah, I meant to see that. So I feel bad about wanting to talk about us, but I think – It's support with your dollars. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think – well, I don't want to spoil it. The first scene got me because you never see that. Right. Yeah. With the little girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the whole visual of it was mm-hmm. so refreshing. Yeah. Seeing what girl and really black, I mean, black women and seeing black women op- oppression. Yeah. Or being around oppression yeah. and the psychology mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the psychology of black people, especially coming out of the ghetto. Right. And us, like a lot of black folks don't go to therapy or right. you know, see a ca- right. psychiatrist or right. whatever. And what do we do with whatever inner baggage we carry into the world? We carry it, yeah. And us talked about that. You know, the little girl and her dealing, and still as an adult. I think what's the woman? What's the actress's name? Napito. Napito, just did brilliant. Just, oh, just she did a brilliant was, job. She showed them. No, I'm not this little chocolate African drop that y'all right. can just slot into something. She that range was gorgeous. It really was. She <laughs> totally carried the, the title. Show. Yeah, the title. Just like with Get Out, where I went. You know what? I think I'm getting something out of this, than the rest of America is mm-hmm. getting out of this. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way with us. I was like, yeah, because they're – you keep saying – us implies there's a them. Yeah. But when the them is us, what does that mean? Well, yeah. it means what identity am I taking on? How am I identifying? Yeah. Because it was 
you know, at first it was like, okay, wow, it's the family. Oh, that's weird and creepy, and how is he going to unpack this for us? Mm-hmm. After a while, I got so comfortable with the idea that, so this is the way, this is the way I see myself as a black man. Mm-hmm. And then I get into certain situations, and I become that other black man. Like when he confronts them, the first time he says, you get out of here, and he suddenly puts on his black voice. Sure, sure. And we, the audience cracks up. The audience loves it. It's hilarious. And I'm yeah. like, it's hilarious, but it's chilling. Yeah. It chilled me. It chilled me because he was reaching for whatever he could grasp at at the moment. It was not right. him. Right. Right. Yes. And it's something that but we are. That is what w- others, mm-hmm. we feel mm-hmm. that others see that in us. Yes. It's, it's that. That's why I refused years ago. I decided I'm not ingratiating white people mm-hmm. because I ha- they have nothing to fear with me. If right. you look at me and you decide to be intimidated, that's right. on you. But right. that's, that's not me. Right. 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 And it's not, <laughs> it is not up to me to. It's amazing how we're taught to. And we talk about this with Barry. Where we talk to assimilate assimilate ourselves, especially Mm -hmm. as black men. Hey, I'm not scary. Right. Let me be not scary for you. Mm -hmm. Let me push back, you know, whatever feelings. So, but then when I need, like in the movie, when I need to be scary, I don't have it there. Right. (laughs) Because (laughs) because it's not really there. That's what made it funny. Yeah. Right. It was like this dude. I don't know. And sure enough, he couldn't. Right. When it came to he it, he got it his butt kicked right. so bad. Yeah, yeah. I had a quick question before we get into an origin story. So I remember, this goes back to 2008, I had a talk with a white woman mm-hmm. who was so upset that Barack Obama had won the nomination. Because she was like, well, why does it have to be a black man? Why can't it be a woman right now? Mm-hmm. And she was implying that women go through way more than black men. And as a matter of fact, this is the subject matter that I touched when I did mm-hmm. Act 3, Scene 3, right. between Richard and Ellen. Right. Um, do you, boy, how do I ask this? Do you feel that, um, of course, women are going through a lot, and I feel mm-hmm. for the women who have to deal with the, this abortion thing, but does it placate what you have to has go through as a black man? I mean, do you feel um, that you've gone through more or less? Does that, I don't even know if that question makes I sense. I really dislike how um, I'm made to feel that I have to step aside my pain for someone else's. I feel like there's a big enough platform yeah. for everyone's grievances to be right. addressed. Right. But yeah. we're asking for them to be addressed by white males right. who don't uh, want to give go. us any of us the time of day right. about it. Right. Yeah. 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 So I don't want to have to share it. I want <clears throat> a woman to have her equal mm-hmm. um, platform to sure. for right. to for her grievances to be addressed just like black people, yeah. black men, all of us. Right. But we're asking for one person who has a limited um, attention span mm-hmm. as a, you know, I'm saying that generically as right. a, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. we, we're, asked, we're being asked to preference. Right. That's it. That's yeah. it. We're being asked to say, oh, it's this person's turn or that person's turn. And it's like, well. That's all part of the power that's structure. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But that's always going to be subjective because, of course, at some point I have to go from my perspective mm-hmm. on how I see things. Now, if I want to live in a civil society, a diverse, you know, a society, then I need to take event, you know, take responsibility for that, and still look at the bigger picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just dealt with it last night. Uh, oh, the story really? That I, well, the this question in another way. Sure. Um, the story we were doing was a Rapunzel story. Mm. So Rapunzel in the tower. This is the one who has a really long hair. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, and unfortunately, Adrian had cut her hair for Helen, the mm-hmm. last thing that she did. So that part didn't work. But it wasn't explicit in the script. So sure. I, I wasn't okay. worried about it. 
But what was true is that she's trapped in the tower. Well, we know that story, and if you start unpacking what that story's about and what does it mean about womanhood, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole bunch to it. Well, in the story, it's a guy, right? It's a prince or some crap sure. who comes to rescue her. And let her out. Yeah. This is Rachel who shows up, and they have a relationship. They have been talking, mm-hmm. and Rachel's been trying to convince her to get out of the tower. Mm-hmm. And offering to help, and Rapunzel's not ready. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, as I, I like wrote to the playwright, as soon as I read it, I was like, um, so I'm clear that this one character is basically Rapunzel. Who is Rachel? <clears throat> playwright didn't answer. She responded she did not touch on that at all. Mm. And so by the time I got to rehearsal with my actors, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then I thought, you know, the, the simple thing that you always do in this situation, let the actors read it. Mm-hmm. See what they do with it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. There are all kinds of choices that are not my choices. All kinds of ways that she's just being normal that are reverberating for me, watching a woman in that situation, that have nothing to do with her or her choices. And I went, ooh. So I don't need to fix this. This is actually going to work the way – and I don't – the playwright's a teenager. I don't know that she has a consciousness about this. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like when uh, there's a photographer who very famously um, took photos of women not smiling in mm. all kinds of different just daily ordinary things, but not smiling. That was her thing. Mm-hmm. And she said because women keep getting that message that they're supposed uh, to smile. And when yeah. you see a photo of a woman and she's not smiling, you project all this stuff on it. So that's mm-hmm. – that was the way I would look at this is more the – Yeah, don't tell me what my pain is. I'm not going to tell you what your pain is. When you say you're in pain, Mm -hmm. I'm going to gauge my pain, and do I need to address my pain before I worry about your pain, or do I have the wherewithal to go, wow, I can hang on to what I've got right now and help you because right now you need help. Right, yeah. But don't put it in a, oh, this pain is more than that pain. Yeah, pain is pain. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So, so while you were speaking about that, there are two things. First of all, you're a brilliant director, and it's that no, it's that methodology that you use with Four <coughs> Men in Paris that I really appreciated working mm-hmm. with you. Um, but going back to this topic, um, what I feel is that instead of con- constantly asking that that power structure validate us, mm-hmm. right. in that way you just said we learn to validate each other right. and diminish that power structure because yeah. it's never ever yeah. it consistently ignores right. everybody yeah. but itself. And I was thinking yeah. about it um, this I think it was this week someone asked Kamala Harris hey what about uh, a Biden Harris ticket and you be the vice president and she was of course very insulted by it mm-hmm. you know oh. because she was the front runner and then be. all of a sudden Biden comes in and it's like oh Biden's the front runner now why because he's you know white I mean you know he he's practically an incumbent yeah yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's what he's playing. But that's the that's the card Hillary played, and it didn't work. Right. Uh-uh. Right. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, twelve months or so. Let's get into an origin story. Shay Angela Acevedo, uh, actor, um, uh, singer, uh, all around um, artist. So um, where'd you begin? How did you uh, tell tell us your origins? How did you get involved in theater and the arts? Well, that's a very interesting. I'll try to condense it. Mm. I'm originally from Baltimore. Okay. And uh, my family were very fundamentally re- religious. Mm-hmm. Huh? So they didn't allow me to take in. So I was so that fomented in me the desire to grab as much knowledge. Uh, you know, I was in a library all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. I was constantly getting trouble for yeah. reading, you know, 
on recommended books. And oh, interesting. <laughs> did you so have any siblings? I didn't. I grew up an only child. Okay. I have half siblings, but my parents had me, and then my mom took off, came out here to California, and my dad oh. raised me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he remarried when I was seven. So um, between 18 months and seven, I went to various family members, you know, while my dad worked. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with a friend of mine this week, and I realized that I actually had a, a Polish nanny who looked after me for huh. a lot of those years mm-hmm. until I was almost seven. Uh, I called her Mama Jean, Mama Jean Stutzka. Wow. And I only realized that because I had a white person tell me a story of a black nanny, and I looked back and I thought, thinking, Mama Jean was kind of like a nanny. And then I told them, and I said, and she was Polish, and they, you know, I got silence. (laughs) (laughs) But she was my grandmother's best friend. So Mm -hmm. while my dad, my grandmother uh, worked, she she looked after me, right, um, in the country in Maryland. So then, you know, I grew up in Baltimore City. When my dad bought his first house, we moved to the city, and my first drama uh, class was with Victor Sison and uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Porter. And what struck me about these two guys was they were two gay men, uh-huh. white men in their 40s or 50s, mm-hmm. and they, this is the interest they took in me in acting was that I was squinting. My parents were so cheap, even though they had medical insurance, uh-huh. they didn't take me to an optometrist. Right. So Victor, I don't know if it was Mr. Sison or Mr. Porter, they sent me home with a note saying, this guy needs glasses. He's squinting in class. He can't read his scripts. Mm. And that's when I started wearing glasses in uh, seventh grade uh-huh. from my drama class. Did so you that hate it? I hated wearing glasses, but I loved that I could now but read. You read. Yeah. I could read, mm. you know, from long distances. And mm. I got involved with a lot of uh, extracurricular activities, including drama and mm-hmm. music, without my parents' knowledge. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you remember your first role? My first role was we did Annie Get Your Gun, and uh, I was just a, a town Just person. one of the cow- yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. cowboys. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But my parents never knew. Mm-hmm. So I had to, from a very <laughs> early age, from like grade school, I had to figure out. Because yeah. my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses, so I had to figure out how to oh. be involved in this stuff right. yeah. and not. Yeah. For them not to know. Right. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses, I actually brought, this will, be, this will surprise you, but I actually brought in a, because they, they usually knock on your door. Right. They yeah. used to. They don't yeah. do that anymore. Well, they used to, and one time I brought That's how I grew up. In yeah. my neighborhood, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I brought one in, and I'm sure it shocked the hell out of them. Like, wow, we're actually getting in and talking to this person, because wow. I wanted to debate, about, debate with them. Of course. And they talked about, I guess, they have these tears of heaven. Yeah. I, I'm trying, is that what, you know, like, if you're... A really, really, really good Christian, and you get to get to be on the top tier of heaven. Is that maybe I'm getting it wrong? They say that only 144,000 people can go to heaven. Oh, okay. Every, the rest of us have to stay on earth. <clears throat> Got it. But I never. So there's I there's a room limit in heaven. There's a. It's a, it, They say it's biblical. We're booked. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, We're okay. Booked. But I. So I grew up that, and being of critical mind, I didn't really process that well. Sure. So I started reading Confucius at like nine. Wow. wow. I was reading Stephen King at like 11 and 12, Mm -hmm. and I would get in trouble for every book that I brought in that they caught me with. But Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I read ferociously, Mm -hmm. and and I just couldn't take to it. So I never got baptized in it, and that kind of is what created the division of my family. So my Mm -hmm. art, performing and all that, has been my way of – what you something you said earlier is like what do we do with all our baggage? Right. Is that's that's why I just you know yeah I've something just occurred to me because uh, you and I are similar you know my dad and my dad and mom separated when I was seven mm-hmm. and there was a point when I was raised with my mom it was very contentious and then I was re raised I you know dad took me in right. and I had to reconcile with the disconnect I had with my mom mm-hmm. did you have to go through that 
Well, that's what brought me to California from, okay. from Maryland. Oh, really? Yeah, it was that I was 26, uh-huh. and my stepmom, who's ra- who raised me as her own, yeah. she'd passed away. It uh, had been 10 years. Uh-huh. Sure. And so I thought, well, let me get to know my, my biological mother. Sure. Right. And see what she's all about. And uh-huh. I moved out here to the Bay Area, and she and her fa- she had gotten married to uh, a Canadian and had another family. Mm-hmm. And so my half siblings were out there. Mm-hmm. And so I moved here to the Bay and first moved to um, to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, to live closer to them. And it just we didn't gel. Mm. It, there too many so many years had gone right. by. We I tried. I yeah. stayed out there. Mm-hmm. And because of the heat, I just eventually started graduating, you know, gradually making my way towards Santa Cruz, to, uh-huh. toward the ocean, sure, to cool, sure, cool sure. climates. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, I'm not really close with my biological family that lives here in California, but yeah. I've made chosen family mm-hmm. since. And I've yeah. been here since 2000, so yeah. the Bay is my home now. You know, when I went to school, I went to school at, you know, one of the problems that I had when I was at NYU was that, Emotionally, I found myself being a bit cut off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with being able to express certain ways, and I had to realize that it had to do with my relationship, or rather, mm-hmm. lack of, right. with my mom. And those are things I had to go through as actors, as as an actor. Mm-hmm. I've since reconciled from that. Now I reconciled with my mom, and I had to do a lot of. Um, I, I had a journal entry, and sure. you know, I did a lot of soul searching. Mm-hmm. And I think it's necessary because you can't bring baggage onto the stage. Right. Did you have to go through any of that at all? Absolutely. Okay. The very ah. first, <laughs> mm-hmm. the very first time I started uh, performing in the Bay, mm-hmm. I couldn't get my my act together. Mm. I was uh, drinking heavily, partling, part because I was getting. I was. This was the the time of my reunion with my mom. Yeah. Right. I also started going up for parts, right. and I would get the parts, but I couldn't perform. Ah. And and maybe you know the the directors I worked for a couple of directors, and they were fine with it. Um, but I got to this one director, and she threw me out. Mm-hmm. What, what show was it? It was, um, it was part of Lunacy Theaters. It was a segment of plays at Lunacy Theater. Okay. Um, and Veronica uh, Combs was directing it. Mm-hmm. And she, I was late for a rehearsal. I think this was like my second late, and she just threw me out. Right. And I think that was the best thing that she could have done mm-hmm. because uh, ten years later is when you cast me. Mm. Or maybe it's, it was longer than that. It's like 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I, uh-huh. I got out of the scene. Right. Uh. And I got my act together. Mm-hmm. And then I came back. Mm. But it was that healing that I needed to do with mm-hmm. the whole mom situation. Yeah. Right. It, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of pain. Yeah. No, I Being separated from my mom was like it's. Right. You know, even though I did have a, a stepmom mm-hmm. who raised me. It, yeah. And that was wonderful. And I'm blessed for that. And yeah. I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. We hear, your, that relationship with a son. Mm-hmm. And his mom is just there's right. something there. Yeah, because we hear all the time about the black man being very close to the mother, you know, the whole right. mama's right. boy thing. Right. And not being connected with the dad. And, you know, a lot of athletes have talked about that. We don't hear right. a lot about the disconnect between mother and son right. because mm-hmm. usually right. it's like, oh, well, mother's always there with the son. Not necessarily. Well, it's how no. we, define, we define nurture. Right. right. So when you're in a different equation, nobody knows how to. Yeah. What's really interesting is to see a young man who has a relationship with his mom Mm -hmm. and then to see one who doesn't. And to see, for me, looking at my relationships with women. Yeah. It all has played out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, When you first came, um, I mean, we always talk about what was theater life, you know, let's say in the 90s or whatever. So you came here. Was it like in the 90s or the, the aughts? It was 2000. 2000? Yeah. 2000? Yeah. I came here February 1st of 2000. Okay. 
and I immediately got involved <coughs> in productions and performances. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I went up for different parts and roles in just community theater. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it, it's kind of a haze thinking sure. back because right. I was so heavily inebriated most of the time. I hear you. Yeah. But um, the Bay at that time was what I what I loved about the Bay was it didn't matter. I felt like back east I hadn't gotten involved in any of that stuff because it wasn't such like a fabric fabric in the fabric of society. There. Yeah. Even uh, though it uh, is back east, it's sure. just right. it wasn't it's in my world. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think about because, you know, Baltimore and D.C. are relatively close. I mean, I well, remember yeah. taking my brother Andre to see the Orioles games before uh -huh. the Nationals were around. This uh -huh. is in the 90s. And there really is, I mean, there was some theater, but some, right. it was really the Kennedy Center or you go right. to Arena Stage, mm -hmm. right. you know, the big stuff. You didn't have a right. lot of regional exactly. community theater. Right. And so you really couldn't work out, you know, like uh, just, you know, or go to an independent theater company. Maybe they had some Chitlin Circuit stuff, you know, like a church-based thing. Mm -hmm. But it's it was very like, much segregated. That's what I realized. Yeah. Is here it's not. Right, exactly. Coming here, and I had to realize that when I came here in the late 90s, mm -hmm. some of the arts where I was like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. there's a theater company. And I remember, you know, answering a post from some guy who wanted to just start up a theater company, and I just got in mm -hmm. doing tech and then doing theater, whatever. So that's mm -hmm. sort of what the vibe was. So yeah, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, but – the good thing is that with that format of theater here, I took that from the San Francisco Bay Area, and when I moved to uh, Santa Cruz, mm -hmm. I started uh, going out for parts in Monterey, yeah. Western Stage down in Salinas, mm -hmm. um, all the way out to Carmel, mm -hmm. and so then I was back and forth between that area and mm -hmm. San Francisco, right. yeah. and by this point, it's uh, 2012. It was right around the downturn. I got laid off, and mm -hmm. you know, I just got back into it yeah I jumped right back in mm. i'm always interested in technique uh when you went to school what techniques did you learn like was there meisner was there stanislavski did you learn interesting that, stuff? that you said meisner meisner was the very first thing that i took on okay and uh, i took some classes uh at bay area acting studio in san jose and um i worked under um val um uh, foshman and um uh scott baker for uh performers under stress mm -hmm. and we did more collaborative physical theater mm -hmm. so i got my feet wet with physical theater as well yeah um and i just kind of i'm kind of a sponge mm -hmm. i'm not formally trained in anything you know i kind of look at all when someone says oh i went to columbia or i went to uh, juilliard or i went to yale and i studied drama i've that's not my story yeah I my story is from the streets into the theater yeah. and very organic from my experience mm -hmm. and just you know watching <clears throat> Having admiration, not being afraid to have admiration for the greater ones mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and taking on some of their techniques and then making it my own. I'm yeah. famous for that. Yeah. One thing that I've been really impressed working with you, uh, as you did Chester Himes, is the authenticity. Yep. Uh, one of the problems with going to a school and learning a technique or whatever, sometimes the authenticity can be stripped away from you. I told a story, a good friend of mine, Priscilla Porter, she teaches at Ellington now. Mm -hmm. We graduated together. I remember she did a... Um, we did. We we were studying Shakespeare, and she had to do the. I think it's the Lady Macbeth. Out damn spot out. I yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And she had, uh, you know, a bit of a uh, southern accent, and you know, and the teachers were like, "No, no, no! You, you're in sh medieval England, and you know, you have to yeah. teach this way." Basically, saying in not so many words, strip away yourself. Right. You are not uh, some black kid right. in D.C. Right. Mm -hmm. You are, you know, you're in medieval England, and mm -hmm. you have to adapt the, you know, dynamic pentameter and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you can strip away your authenticity right. where 
you may be black, but you not only you don't sound black anymore. You're mm-hmm. not, you know, and but you've kept your authenticity. And Chester Himes was really about the sort of the rawness. Oh yeah, yeah. Of that's being what I discovered black. about that man. Yeah, yeah. I think he found me for that role. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think he rose up out of somewhere and he found <laughs> me. Yeah. Talk about your experience doing doing that. I mean. That role was the very first of all the roles that I've had because I did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where I played uh, the night mm-hmm. Amy Turkle. Yeah. And yep. mm-hmm. uh, my only uh, part in that was to come out in a blackened theater and pull out a flask and croon and sip and push a broom. Mm-hmm. But just in those, I found that, um, I found the space in that time period. So when I went into my – I took a little bit of that into my role with Chester Himes, but then I got blown away. So my my experience with Chester Himes was completely method acting. It was my very first complete experience of that. He took me over for a period of two and a half mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. I, I read almost every book that he'd written. Um, I took copious notes on his mm-hmm. – what he thought. It wasn't so much how he spoke, yeah. but when he expressed his thinking. Yeah. And, you know, I found myself in him, mm-hmm. which – I found myself in some of his worst, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But then I also found myself in some of his best. Yeah. I completely admired how he'd left the United States and went to Europe to make a way for himself. He kind of turned his back on the um, inception of the, the civil rights movement. Yeah. But he had his own yeah. path in his own civil rights movement, in right. his own life. Right. Yeah. Which I appreciated. Well, it's, it's, the irony of that is so bre- beautiful that – he was just doing him. He was doing what made sense to him, and then he was following the money where he could. He was following the money. But <laughs> to have that turn around and become emblematic of the black exploitation, right. I know you know he must have just chuckled the whole time. Like, what the? Right. <laughs> well, right. He said, like, I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. But his, his and it beginnings. was authentic in that way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was authentic to him, and then it became this crazy thing, and then the world responded to it, and he seemed like he stayed grounded in that, which I loved. I don't I don't I think from the outside he looked grounded but he constantly questioned himself. Well yeah. I mean he was he was yeah. he wasn't letting somebody else tell him what deep to wrestle. He was wrestling with his own. Yeah. His own all and, and that that was the part of it that I really identified with. Yeah. Um in my personal life I've kind of taken myself out of the black community mm-hmm. and constantly blazed the trail through some of the most redneck, mm-hmm. racist areas to live in. You and I don't know why I have that bent. Mm. But I refuse to not be allowed to live somewhere. I like to live where I hear all the birds singing and I yeah. see the cows. Yeah. That's just my particular um, like. Yeah, mm-hmm. now I hear you. So I saw that in Chester Himes. And he, he had some inherent experience experiences uh, in the South and then also in the Midwest. And he just said, you know what? I'm not going to let this stop me from being who I am. Right. And I've, I've lived that way myself. So. Yeah. I would say that Chester was probably, out of the four men, the freest of them all. I mean, he really lived a 21st century life. I mean, you know, he was the sort of freeness that Richard didn't have because Richard right. always felt that he had the purpose. And James, obviously, because he had to deal with homosexuality mm-hmm. and also, you know, still adhering to, you know, what, what black folks wanted him to be. You know, the box. There's always the proverbial box. And Chester was like, listen, I don't have to live in the box. I can mm-hmm. do whatever I want to do. And I can, you know, live and be who I want to be. So that was um, – Nor- Norman, what was your – and I also want to tell the story of how we got you because there was a bit of a – I'm not going to say a fight, but, you know, um, 
we we were. Oh looking. right, I, I don't know this backstory. <laughs> Fill me in. No, no, this we is just great. you know because they're Plethos is such a small company. Mm-hmm. Getting a, a significant turnout for auditions was tricky. Really, and so we weren't especially for black people. And you, when you finally came in, it was like, oh my god, this. I can work with this. This would be great. This would be easy. You gave me so much that I could see in yeah. the show that I was like, that's great. But see, so I wouldn't have me read mm-hmm. for Chester, though. Hmm? Do you, I didn't you remember to. that? You didn't have me read for Chester. You had me read, you um, had I me had read, read Richard. Uh, Richard. Yeah. Well, I, and I've done this for years where I'm not worried. I know the material. Mm. So that when we so get to a certain point, if I'm having to pick between you and somebody else, then, of course, I have to have you read the material because now I need that comparison. I need to hear how you read, and I need to hear what energy you bring to it. Yeah. And it was obvious to me. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. And and I was really panicked about finding a Richard. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I got I to gotta consider everybody for Richard. We saw another guy. <clears throat> we had two weird oh, audition Jesse. things. I think it was Jesse. Uh, yeah, it was Jesse. Um, and then we also saw a young man came in to read for James not knowing anything about James Baldwin. That's weird. <laughs> and so he came in, and he's off on the side reading the side, and it's all it's the bedroom scene. Mm. <clears throat> and he's like, is he? He gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he is. Well, I, actually, he's at this point where he's sort of discovering, you know, I'm totally in director mode. But I'm watching as his panic level is just going up. And he's not going to be impolite about it, but he's just like, I don't know. I said, just read it over some more, and, you know, and I'll get back to you. And I saw him just sitting there with the paper in his hand, just decimated. <laughs> wow. So that happened. Oh, and then goodness. Jesse came in, and Jesse read. And I already knew Jesse. Sure, because he from, participated in the uh, read-throughs. An earlier read-through. Yeah. And we had already talked about whether or not he had the skill, the level. Because it's a complex character. Um, and whether he was going to be able to bring that edge that has to be a part of Chester. And I was like, mm, okay, well, I think if I put some extra time in rehearsal, I think I can get something that we could use out of it. Then we read you. I was like, okay, well, this is easy. And But then also, it's a small company, so they don't have much of a budget. Mm-hmm. So that conversation starts. Yeah. And but you did one thing that a lot of actors need to do. You think of yourself not just as an actor – but this is your business. You are a uh, you are right. not not an organization or whatever. But you thought of yourself in business terms. It's like, listen, if you want me, that's fine. I love it. This is what I want. And we actually had Kari Moy on Kari right. Moy episode right. forty five. And Kari mm-hmm. is now. I I had an exchange with him. And he basically was like, this is my last job as an as a non equity actor. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going for equity status because yeah. uh-huh. I want what I'm worth. Right. And a lot of actors don't think about, hey, this is what I'm worth. So I'm not going to work less than what I'm worth. Well, I've told the well, story a number. Of, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna, I've told the story a number of times of another actor, and I used to not mention him, but I'll mention him, Dorian Lockett. Yeah. Um, because Dorian, to me, is the mm-hmm. genius of this. He's non-equity, but he goes out for a show, and if it says equity, non-equity, then when they call him back and they say, oh, we're interested and we want you, he says, okay, great, you're going to pay me that much. And when they try to say, well, we don't have the money, it's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You said on your listing that you were going to take equity, so you have the money. That's not even a – there's no discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> about whether or not you have the money. The question is, are you going to give me the money? And then the negotiation becomes a how much do I need right. to do this. Exactly. But we're not we, – we are leaving behind the this is what we were going to pay the non-equity. 
So yeah. that's where Car is at, whether he knows it or not. He's right, at exactly. That place where and go make, out for the show, mm-hmm. get the show, and then tell them this is what I need. You can yeah. always negotiate. I've found so I've had some wonderful teachers. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in the biz as long as some others. I would say it's about this is my sixth to seventh year mm-hmm. running strong yeah. this time around. Mm-hmm. But early on, I learned a few things. Um, if you're going to start in, you start in as an extra, but you limit how long you're going to be an extra. Yeah. And then I was taught uh, at least negotiate your mileage, <laughs> like right. your fuel costs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Your, you know, at least negotiate a per diem. Yeah. And so then after that, I learned um, to negotiate. Basically, this is what because I'm st- I still feel like I'm learning and I'm picking up my craft and I'm honing my craft. Mm-hmm. I take on. I make a forty percent investment in myself for any production, mm-hmm. and the production company needs to invest sixty percent. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. the cost. So whatever the cost is, I sit down with my calculator and I figure out how many trips I'm going to make and how mm-hmm. much it's going to cost right. and how much food is and all that. Mm-hmm. 60% I want the production company to provide for me, the other 40%. And as I get better with my craft, of mm-hmm. course, that 40% is going to go to 20 mm-hmm. and then right. 10 and then to 100. Right, yeah. You know, but for yeah. now, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and to make a long story short, you know, Plethos was saying, well – we have this actor, Acevedo, and, you know, he wants this amount of money, but we can probably get someone for a lesser amount. And I was like, listen, this thing is very important. This is my – this is really, you know, me out there. I will pay whatever it is. Hmm. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. get them. And I hadn't even seen you. And I, But, you know, Norman says, hey, you oh, are worth it. You did yeah, that, right? There was no Absolutely. question. There was no question. <laughs> and, and, I'm and, like, and, and the I'm return on your investment was? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Listen, you were far worth way, way, way more. I'm so and, humbled and, by and that. That is just con- like, wow. Yeah. That will keep paying off. Yeah. That investment. I'm and grateful because when I walked in today, he handed me the book in oh, the, yes. the play in book form. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I cannot wait. To share this with my friends, to yeah. have been part of this with you, Reg. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's really wonderful, and that's what theater and art is about, you collaboration. You know, I have a dream, you have a dream, and when people can come together and say, okay, I'm going to push aside my dreams and work on Angelo's thing, or Angelo's going to push aside his thing and work on my thing, you could have said, listen, I'm, I'm doing the music thing, I can't work on this right now, so the hell with it. And then, you know... Then, you know, where would I be? Right. No, of the whole entire year, this was, for me, this had been and still in in my heart is just so, to say it's special is to demean it, is um, to work under a black playwright Mm. and a black director in a play where the main characters are four black men. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't get no better than that. You better yeah. jump mm-hmm. on it. So that's yeah. where I was coming from. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of the reasons it's why we're rare, unfortunately. It is. And I can't tell you how many times I've worked on so many productions. I mean, I'm looking at all these posters right now, me working on other people's projects, other people's stories mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with me. The only exception would be before the dream, uh, Richard Oliveira's thing about Richard Wright. Right. And I said, hey, if, you know, if I can't find the answer, let me be the answer. And so <laughs> I wrote it. And, you know, this thing, you know, became to be. So I have a question for you. Sure. How did you find the voices of those four men so well? I tell you, that's I'll tell the story real quick. Um, My dad, you know, we were talking before we cut the mic on our music, you know, our music um, history, you know, like your dad. I think is your dad a singer or my dad is a singer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And my dad's a singer. As a matter of fact, I played you, you know, some of uh, his recordings. And um, but my dad had a group called Our Rendition, and there were four guys, 
And although I was too young to go to their clubs, mm-hmm. they would always come back and hang out. Or let's say when I got old enough, I actually did get to go out and see them sing. And I would be backstage listening to them, or I'd be during the rehearsals, and they'd they breaking out the ENJ, the Ernest mm-hmm. and Julio Gallo, the Hennessy, and they're talking crap about some guy, you know, uh, you know, was in the bathroom, and he had to quickly get on stage, and he zipped up, and he zipped his his dick, <laughs> <laughs> and he was yelling and screaming and all that stuff, and, and I was just surrounded by these stories and just the collaboration. And I actually saw, you know, how one guy got put to jail and another guy had a problem with his woman. And how one is arguing, well, how come you're singing the lead and I can't sing the lead? And who's Mm -hmm. the leader of this group? Mm -hmm. And I recognized these are four men who are trying to identify themselves but while collaborating and how Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it can be – there can be friction, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear, especially during Before the Dream – which is really the story of Richard Wright alone, told by Chester Himes and James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. But these are four men. You may not know the history. You may, bl- bl- you know, the audience may be oblivious to the history. You may not even care about the history. Right. Let's forget about the history, but these are just four men who are trying to identify themselves through art. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they collaborate with each other. Sometimes they're competing against each other. It's no different from when, you know, what, what happens. We talked about Tiny She Coats arguing with Dr. Cornell West. We've mm-hmm. talked about Martin mm-hmm. Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. arguing with Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. We've talked about W.B. Du Bois arguing with Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a black man? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to define yourselves? And where is the black man going? The whole debate about, about Bigger Thomas. Is Bigger Thomas a credit to, you know, the black race as far as native son? Because it mm-hmm. talks about what right. white mm-hmm. society does. Or is he a discredit because he talks about what the black man is and mm-hmm. how he shouldn't be, mm-hmm. which is what James was talking about. Mm-hmm. So through these four men, I got to talk about there's a little bit of my dad in that story. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of me in that story. There's a little right. bit of all black men in that story. Yeah. Playing it okay. was that experience. Yeah, yeah. I think that it gave me a lot more strength being a black man in the world because I noticed the difference. Mm-hmm. I noticed the difference in that um, I stopped – I think I spoke about this earlier. The mm-hmm. whole we were off off mic though. The whole ingratiating people to not fear me, yeah, is pretty much gone because those days of having to be in fear mm-hmm. are gone. I'm just decided to boldly live on. There you go. Mm. There you go. And move forward. And it's someone else's problem. If you have a problem with me, <laughs> right. that's that's your problem. All you have to do is open your open your mouth and talk to me. Right. You know. But it also encourages people to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And for me to also, you know, kind of understand where they're coming from. Yeah. In that um, I don't think I was as open when I was younger because I was dealing with so much of my own issues. Sure. But as, I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm just saying we have to really learn to move forward yeah. with this. And so kind of going, going back to the whole uh, with women and with black men. Sure. Um, our experiences, I think that it's a time for us to encourage uh, each other to express. Mm-hmm. So, how I h- how I practice that with the women in my life is I'm asking a lot of questions. Yeah. About their experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just listening. Yeah. Yeah. And taking it in. Yeah. And I don't have to sometimes in just listening. Mm-hmm. My experience is expressed. Right. Yeah. I found yep. that. Out. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's weird. And I love to. And by the way, my sister and my cousin are just totally in love with you. I'm in love with them as well. I met them. Yeah. And they are wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they came out that night, I don't know if you were aware they were coming out that night. Were you? Opening night, I think I did. Uh, they, okay. I th- I th- yeah, they did tell me because they were they were only there for a limited amount of time. Right. right. But uh, it was really their first time ever 
seeing me. I think the last time right. they saw me on stage was when I was at NYU right. doing Pippin as a bit role. Right. And I keep on telling them about you know, some of the things that I do. It's like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. And, and yeah. this time around, I was like, listen, you've got to come <laughs> to see this thing. And they did. And so they, they saw a different side of me. And mm-hmm. um, and they are fun. Cool. They, they brought a piece of, of the DMV <laughs> back with me. Oh, and that, was so, that was so much fun to experience. I yeah. had people wanting to take pictures with me, and I'm hanging out with your mom. Yeah. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I got to get a little bit more before I go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, did your family come to see you? No. Oh, what a shame. No. My friends did, though. Yeah, good. Yeah, good, yeah, my good. Friends did. A lot of my friends came. <laughs> Man, we're, we're, we're running into the hour mark. We oh, should get yeah. to shout-outs. Birthdays. Uh, birthdays. Oh, but uh, there was also – I just wanted to touch on one thing we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that baggage is there. We just had it. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's part of the human condition, apparently. Yeah. Um, I just had an audition. And de- I keep doing these daddy roles, which is just cracking me up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how, on, how am I supposed to find this guy? Well, the funny thing was it was almost like a, um, a funhouse mirror of my relationship with my dad. It was mm. there, but it was distorted. Like he has never been the sort of evil man that this character has been. Uh-huh. But he's made very similar choices about his life. And I don't know how he feels about them. Mm-hmm. But I was able to just use that as a template for this. So, um, and I had to do a video audition, which you know, as, as a concept, I think is just stupid. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to talking more about this. Sure, in the sure. But um, I'm watching it, and I'm going, "Wow, that is." On some level, it's like I understand him better because of this monologue. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I know that we will never actually be able to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. part of me is just like, "Ooh," and part of me is. Like, this is mine. This is me owning stuff that has been bubbling in me for decades Mm -hmm. that I've never been able to deal with. And I just sort of said, I'll put it on a back burner. And if I get to it, I get to it. And suddenly this show Mm -hmm. will require me to dig into this stuff. And I'm like, I would love to do it for that reason. On a personal level, it would be so freeing Mm -hmm. to create this character who is not my father, Mm -hmm. but allows me to revisit all this shit that I just never have processed. Come to some understanding of it. Yeah. But being careful that you deal with it in a professional way, that it serves right. the... Yeah, and I'm not yeah. going to use it as therapy. Sure. It is going to allow me to dig into the character in a way that will be uniquely me mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. not something that I'm projecting. But, you know, I will use some of my projection, but the projections I've lived with all my life. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. And I will own them in a way that I don't normally own them. So That's mm-hmm. the key to authenticity is ownership. That's exactly yeah. right. Good way to put it. Yeah. Birthdays, Mary Alice Fry. That's right, one of our guests. Yep, Uh, big producer in the Bay Area. It's funny, she started out in dance and then Hmm. became a producer, and she's been going at it and going, still going strong. Uh, Brian Rivera, who I hope we can get on the show at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, He is back in the Bay Area and working hard. He works some with the Mime Troupe. Um, I think he did another show recently at the No Space. Um, But he, I want to get him on because he. Toured about two years. He did a production of The King and I on Broadway mm-hmm. and then toured it. Um, and occasionally, because he was took on the understudy role, he occasionally got to play the lead. Awesome. So I would just be curious to hear what that experience was like and then mm. what it's like to come back to the Bay after that. Mm, after that, yeah. Um, I'm going to skip some names because I see yeah. you're going to pick them up. Uh, Michelle Carter, local playwright. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Height, local producer, came out of the magic and then started producing on her own. Mm-hmm. I think... 
She may still be producing with the Climate Theater, which is a small organization that creates new work. Very, mm -hmm. very San Francisco based, um, but wonderfully professional. Erin mm -hmm. um, Kitchen, young uh, actor that I know from Each One Reach One. Wendy Belden, Oakland playwright. Mm -hmm. um, first play that I produced where I actually picked the show and, and directed it mm. um, was Wendy's play, uh, Run Perfectly Still, gorgeous um, antebellum, not antebellum, it was during the war, mm -hmm. um, based on uh, the journals. Uh, there's a, I can't remember her name now, Mary something. She was a rice plantation wife. Okay. And, uh, and she kept extensive journals, so she is known historically. And then we took it, and it had this surreal twist, so it was a mm -hmm. gorgeous play. Um, and she keeps talking to me about, kept, keeps threatening that we're going to do a new project. I hope she'll follow up on it. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh Kornbluth is a local solo performer, does a lot, um, mostly through the marsh. Mm -hmm. uh, Roy Comboy, another playwright. Um, he was writing at San, uh, teaching at San Francisco State, and I think he just retired last year. Mm -hmm. Manu Mukasa was the first director that I hired for Oakland Public Theater. Oh, nice. And, uh, and he was teaching back east. I'm, I think he was at Amherst or something like mm -hmm. that. And Ken Moscow, somebody else I know from college, wonderful actor who looked a lot like Bruce before Bruce Willis cut his hair. Oh, yeah. Mm. He looked, he had that look. Yeah. And then Bruce started losing his hair and he didn't at least not then. Mm -hmm. So that's my crew of happy birthday people. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a t couple. Go for it. Um, shout out to uh, and birthday coming up to Nazila Jameson, who's a local poet. All right. And uh, published author. She just recently published a book uh, last year with um, it's called um, Revolutionary Heart. Mm -hmm. It's on Google. Uh, birthday to Valerie Foshman. Going to go see her play tonight, and she's an oh, actor with uh, performance uh, theater. Let's see, I had to pull up her. Um, mm -hmm. Her. It's called Supremacy, and it's going to. Oh. It's at. Uh, I believe it's at Exit Theater. Oh wow! Go there tonight. Uh, nice. So happy birthday, Val! I think mm -hmm. she, she. Her birthday was earlier this week, uh -huh. and also the drummer from Adjusted Attitudes, Stephen Tuma. Happy <laughs> birthday! Rock on, Steve. one of your man. <laughs> yeah, right on. <laughs> Today, it's amazing. There's so many birthdays uh, today. Right. Uh, our Joshua, Joshua Flores, who played Francois, who did a magnificent role. I believe he was his first ever role, uh, the theater role. I think role. he did say that. Yeah. He um, was amazing. He was such he a really great guy up. to work yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very open and very just um, transparent. Mm -hmm. Theo Black is a uh, local um, actor, and he was in um, – I worked with him – Central Works uh, did a thing called Mesmeric Revelation. Uh, just two actors, and Theo Black, well, he was just fantastic in that. Today's his birthday. Also, a local uh, stage manager, Christine Plowright. Mm. Uh, her birthday is today. She works mainly with the Douglas Morrison Theater oh. mm. uh -huh. when they do their um, their showcases, their, sure. their, uh, their seasons. Yeah. seasons yeah. Uh -huh. uh, you mentioned uh, Mary Alice Fry. Um, yesterday... Uh, not a theater actress, but a stage actress who I happen to be Facebook friends with, Cinda Williams. Uh, if you remember, um, Mo Better Blues. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was the, um, what is it, uh, Clark Benacourt, oh. the sultry um, mm -hmm. actress. Oh, I don't know yeah. why I haven't seen her uh, on stage or yeah. in the film since. Right. But uh, that's one of my favorite Spike Lee flicks, and uh, so her birthday is ye was yesterday. Um Tomorrow, I'm sorry, Monday, Ronnie Marcos, he is a uh, local Philippine actor. He's worked uh, with mm -hmm. in uh, Bendelstiff for a lot. He's turning huh. 33 years old. Yeah, Bendelstiff. Have, you, have you? What'd you do in Bendelstiff? Uh, we did uh, You Need to Read Poetry. Uh-huh. And we did um, 
uh, Scamorama Land, written by Eve Edelson. Huh. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Small world. Very small world. Yeah. So Tuesday, um, a friend of mine who graduated with me at Ellington, Taro Alexander, mm-hmm. he uh, turns 47. His father actually was teaching, uh, there was a thing called a living stage, which was a uh, an improvisational school for kids. Mm-hmm. And I got to participate in that in the 80s. So Taro is his son, so I want to give a shout out to him. And let's say uh, on Wednesday, Shay Troja, she's an actress. Uh, she was involved in Debbie Does Dallas the Musical. Ah, right. What an experience. <laughs> the musical based on the porn uh, movie. And I tell you, we had a sold-out show right. every time at the Eureka Theater. Ah. Uh, so Shay is involved in that. Also, Ben Prince, his birthday is Wednesday. He is a, uh, a pianist and a musician. He's usually the um, the musical director mm-hmm. at Ray of Light Theater. Uh-huh. And uh, so his birthday is on Wednesday. Uh, who else? Dan Weiss. I've acted with him. Uh, his birthday is Friday. I want to say um, the um, ISIS Arts Collective. That was uh, the late um, Mike... Mike Ward. Mike Ward, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I've acted with Dan Weiss, and he is. Dan Weiss, we do we have him on? No. no, no, no I would no, love okay. to have him on. Okay. Do you know Dan Weiss? No, no. I, I was yeah. thinking of the other. Yeah. No, we had Dan Wilson. Wilson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, he's involved in a couple of stuff. So uh, those are my birthdays uh, shows. Uh, the only thing, because I've got this reading coming up next week, the play is called The 90%. It'll be 1 o'clock, not this Sunday, but a week from Sunday, um, as part of the uh, Best of Playground. You know, they do um, – they pick the short plays from the season because it's Monday Night Playground through the season once a month mm-hmm. at Berkeley Rep. Yeah. Um, and then the audience votes on those plays, and mm-hmm. then the top plays are all brought together at the end of the season for the best up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fun – it's a fun cast. Jed's in it. Uh, Kathleen Ridley. Jed, right on. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people that I knew, and I was just like, wow, this is so fun. Um, and then in addition to that, there are these young writers that do their pieces, so they're using those as little cor- curtain raisers. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm doing 90%, so that'll be next Sunday. And it's a mostly black cast. Right on. So with, with hopefully Adrian Dean as a token white girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there are a couple of shows that I want to uh, push out. Uh, Central Works is doing the Victorian oh, Ladies right. Detectives Collective. Uh, our good friend Ga- Alan Coyne is in that, mm-hmm. also directed by Gary Graves. I think Gary wrote it. Uh, that will be from May the 4th through the June the 2nd. Also, Off-Broadway West is doing Bakersfield Mist. Mm-hmm. That's uh, from May the 3rd, uh, and it runs until June the 1st. And Richard Harder, who we've had on the show, is directing that. Right. Um, also, the show that I'm um, in, I'm involved in rehearsals. As a matter of fact, i got to get out of here so I can get to rehearsal yep. on mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. It's a very fun musical. Mm-hmm. Very dominant. I mean, there are nine women in the cast, only uh-huh. four men. Uh-huh. Uh, and the women sort of run the show, and it's, it's really, really fun, based on a, uh, I believe, a telenova. Oh, right. That's yeah. what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so when th- is that? That, uh, b- we open May the 30th. We, we actually open June the 1st. I think May the 30th is a preview. Preview, okay. And we end June the 22nd, and uh, ah. Melvin Badiola is in it. Deb Carragher's in it, and oh. I'm in it. And I'm in it. <laughs> yeah, we, they pulled all three of us because actors had dropped out, and so they right. brought us in. So it was like, wow, family reunion. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And one last thing. So I'm involved in a, um, there's a company called The Same Boat theater company theater collective mm-hmm. Le- i got a call from lisa kong mm-hmm. who we found on the show and says would you like to be a board member of, oh, right. of this yes. thing yes and it is essentially a um 
uh, it, the same boat theater collective has formed a seven Bay Area playwrights and theater artists seeking to unite our passions for theater and for the environment, uh, raising funds to help launch our first projects, including a collaborative full, written full-length play. Um, it was supposed to be in August, but it's going to be pushed into, I think, September, uh, called the Emeryville Horror. And it's basically mm-hmm. about inv- how the environment affects mm-hmm. us. And so that's what the company is all about. And so Lisa Kong is involved in it. She wrote the Emeryville Horror, mm-hmm. and I'll be involved in it. So, um, And I'll put a th- link to the same boat uh, theater right. collective. I was very humbled to ask to be a member of this. Yay. So mm-hmm. that's what's going on in the theater world. Sounds yeah. great. And also we want to push your group. Uh, is your group performing? Anytime we soon? are. We're performing at the Alano West Club in San Jose, June 8th, which is a Saturday. It's coming up in two weeks. Oh. Okay. Uh, it's um, a Founders Day event. There's going to be four bands. We're not the headliner, but we're the opener. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we go on uh, between. We're going to do a 90-minute set. So it's mm-hmm. come out there at, from noon to 6 and yeah. have some barbecue and listen to some bands. Oh. Right on. If you send me a link, uh, I mean, I or at least, yeah, yeah, so that people can see. And also, do you put your stuff on, like, SoundCloud or whatever so people can listen to the band? We actually just got together, so that's all forthcoming. Okay, okay. all yeah. forthcoming. Yeah. We can't wait. Yeah. Congrats. Looking yeah. forward to it. Did you have a good time, man? I had a wonderful time. It was great to see both it of you. Right too on. Quick. Yeah. It went way <laughs> too quick. <laughs> it went really fast. It really, really did. All right. But it was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's like and thanks again for the experience with Four Men in Paris. Absolutely. Well, thank you. You know, you did great, great, great work. I would love that. It's too short. Yeah, that's true. All right, here's my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads or really any app that you use to listen to podcasts. You'll find us. Just do a search, the Yay or Reg Clay or Norman G. You'll find us. Uh, you can also find the Yay on iTunes if you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop. Click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the Yay, you'll find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and you can search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. <laughs> Shay, do you have a? Uh, are you into Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat? I am. Like I'm S. Angelo Acevedo on IG. All right, and you can find him. And we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better sign off. off. And we are out.